so critically acclaimed. Hey everyone, this is part two for the On My Block episode of the Not So Critically Acclaimed podcast. I feel like this might be a shorter episode because, well, the show in general is pretty short and also my opinions are pretty straightforward, but we'll see. So let's just start things off with season one. For starters, let me just say, like I mentioned briefly in part one, I totally thought this was a comedy. So when I got to the season one finale, I was completely caught off guard. I mean, I was literally bawling in that whole last scene with Latrell coming to Olivia's quinceanera. And then we heard the gunshots, but we didn't know who got hurt. Like, man, if I had to wait a year for the next season to have found out, I would have been pissed because I was just unwell. But thankfully, season two was already there. And I distinctly remember when watching the first episode of season two, they kept dragging us, like not blatantly letting us know who got shot or who got killed until like the very end. But when they did, my God, I mean... I will say when watching the season one finale, I was crying and saying, not Ruby, not Ruby, because I feel like that's what they really made it look like. But then when I found out it was Olivia, I was just as hurt because Ruby was hurting so bad. But the worst was that like he didn't even let himself go and like feel the emotions at first. Um, And that was just super rough. Otherwise, for season one specifics, Olivia Olivia did always kind of, like, feel off in the group. Like, she just felt like she was forced into the friend group. I don't know. I didn't love the cadence of the group with her, especially because there was all this awkwardness with Monse and Caesar being a thing, but, like, secretly being a thing. And then Olivia started going out with Caesar. Like, it was just complicated. Um, And I always shipped Ruby and Olivia because he tried so hard and I think his character was so unique in that, you know, he lives in this bad neighborhood um, where you wouldn't think he'd be this type A planner with all this anxiety. I mean, I guess the anxiety makes sense because it's always like heightened and all this crazy stuff going on. But just based on the typical personalities of the people that would live in this neighborhood, but I guess that's me being stereotypical, you wouldn't think that someone like Ruby would exist here but he does and I think that makes him very unique um but anyway that then as for like Monse and Caesar I don't really care about them together or at least now having watched all three seasons they're kind of like meh like maybe along the way in season one I was shipping them but right now I don't really care especially because I don't really care about their characters individually Like, Monse is super annoying, uptight, stubborn, and always needs everything to be on her terms. Like, it's frustrating, especially to the point where she'll give up on relationships or friendships because things aren't on her terms. And Caesar's just, like, nothing special to me. And I'll get more into, like, my overall thoughts of of all the characters a little bit later. Then, as for season two... I feel like I remember season two the least. Like, I think this is the season where Jasmine started to become more integrated into the group because obviously Olivia died. Um, And I know I'm not alone in liking Jasmine. 
Like, at first, she was just there for comic relief, which she definitely provided. I mean, between her outfits, her random dances here and there, and, like, the crazy ideas she comes up with, the things she says. And one of my favorite little additions to her character is that she has asthma. So it just makes it extra funny when she does something outlandish or something, and then she gets out of breath and she pulls out her inhaler and she's just, like, taking a big breath. And it's just, I don't know, I thought it was, like, an extra layer of humor that was pretty funny. But then over the course of seasons two and three, we got to see more about Jasmine and her living situation, where we see her caring for her father, who I think they said he has PTSD from being in the military or something. I could be wrong, but because like based on what I'm remembering about him, he was just like sitting there, not moving, not talking. And I don't think that's just PTSD. Like maybe there was something else that I don't remember as well. Um, also, In terms of like realistic aspect of this, which I know, again, it's a TV show, but it just is something I'm always thinking about in the back of my head when I'm watching shows. But like this doesn't make sense how she's the only one there. Like maybe it's because they live in a bad neighborhood, so things slip through the cracks. But Jasmine's a minor and her father is clearly not capable of taking care of himself, let alone his daughter. So She needs a guardian who can actually look after her. But like I said, it's probably a testament to where they live. Um, And that's probably the point, like to show that um, when you live in an environment like this, in a community like this, you don't get to just be a kid. Like you have to grow up fast and learn to take care of yourself and deal with these larger than life problems that you shouldn't have to deal with when you're like 15 years old. Also with Jasmine, um, she's played by Jessica Marie Garcias, who, as I mentioned in part one, I got to see at an event, so I thought I would just go into that for a little bit. So two years ago in the summer of 2019, I was living in New York City for an internship, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, and I attended this event called the Her Conference, which was hosted by Her Campus. And if you haven't heard of Her Campus, this is also just so I know, not an ad or anything, Um, but if you haven't heard of Her campus it's basically an online media site for young women specifically ones in high school and college where you can read about like literally anything you want from pop culture and fashion and beauty to like relationship advice money advice life advice you know college stuff I don't know and it's basically this national organization um, that has chapters at universities across the country. And the whole premise is it's you're writing articles by women for women. Um, and it's just like, you know, a nice platform if you're trying to read about like, think of it like as a younger version of Cosmopolitan, I think in terms of like for a younger age demographic. Um, but the point is that they also have these chapters at the universities and you can join the chapter. It's kind of like a club or an organization at your school and you can like write articles or you can also do like the social media aspect of it or you can host events that basically just match the content. So you can do like a bachelorette viewing party, um, you know, you can do like a DIY project like event and you basically just host these events that you give out like free stuff a lot because that's what college is about and especially because her campus is like a national organization that has national sponsors like Mary Kay or Garnier or um, Hallmark and stuff and they'll send the organizations like monthly care packages with products to promote both her campus and the sponsors themselves and like give them out on campus so with all that being said I was a part of her campus at Emory where I went to college and I was actually president my last year so before my senior year 
since I was in New York and I knew that they attended that they had this her conference both in Los Angeles and in New York over the summer um I was like I'm going to this um so I decided to attend the event which I did by myself I knew not a soul at the place and so it was definitely very intimidating and scary but I was glad I went you know they had a bunch of these little like activations is what they're called but basically they had all these different brands and sponsors working at the event so for example bumble was one of the sponsors and so you could get like a free touch up of your hair and makeup if you just downloaded the bumble app um and then another one was they were taking headshots for you like if you wanted to be you know for resumes and stuff you could there was a little seminar with like these this corporate sponsor that you could go over your resume with them there was another like a t-shirt press station so you get a free t-shirt um you know all these cool little like flower walls and other things that you could take pictures in front of and then they also had of course um like all these amazing speakers one of them was then jessica marie garcia's now at the time i only recognized her because i had seen some of live and maddie even though i was way too old to be watching it um but i did know she was in my block because they said it but i didn't watch the show at the time but the audience was super excited to hear from her and ask about the dynamic character she plays in Jasmine. And they were so right. Um, you know, she was super kind and eloquent. And I'm just mentioning this now to say that I think like I went into watching the show knowing Jasmine was going to be more than just surface level humor. And I'm kind of glad that I knew that because it definitely allowed me to paint this picture in my head of like a more holistic character um and it's just like me thinking back on the event like she was super kind and nice and I kind of wish like you know I had seen the show at the time and was like into it and but whatever you know I can think back on it now um so that was just a small tangent uh, as for another plot line that I can't remember if it all unfolded in season one or season two, but that was the whole thing with Monse's mom. So first of all, no mom, let alone from this rich neighborhood that they're painting, would ever hire a random teenager that they met on Facebook to babysit for their kids. Like that was just so unrealistic. But anyway, I was going back and forth with this plot line because of course, you know, like they were trying to do, they kept making me think that she was the mom and then she wasn't and then of course she ended up really being Monse's mom and it was all really crazy that she ended up living there for a while and started getting integrated into that new world like it seems kind of crazy but at the same same time I feel like it's something that happens a lot in shows um for like in the idea that this parent hasn't been in your life for so long but things are just so hectic in your own normal life that you know even though you never thought you would go and live with this person you just need something to change it up so for example um one tree hill season two spoiler but when lucas ends up living with dan and you're like what how could he ever have gone to that or now in love victor season two spoiler if you haven't seen it it seems like by the end of the last episode mia is going to find her mom and potentially live with her um since her dad is moving i don't know but like back to monse um it's just kind of like crazy because you know here she is her mom abandoned her when she was a kid and has a new family now so it's kind of crazy that she would live with her but then of course that didn't last long because she left when she found out that um the reason her mom left was because of the way Monse looked um and then in season three like I don't remember when or if they deliberately said she committed suicide but 
she did. And I mean, I had that kind of ruined for me, but it was my own doing because I used the app TV time to check off watching episodes. Like you can basically create watch lists and, um, you know, like all the shows you're watching and you can just check off, um, when you've finished watching, um, an episode and, you know, I'm super type A, so you guys know that I love to do that. And, um, I'm so type A that sometimes I check each episode off a little bit before I've actually finished the episode, like maybe a few minutes left. And then I start reading the chat because ever on TV time for every episode, you can just scroll down and you'll see all people's like opinions and posts and things about the episode. And so I'll read it. And so then that's what happened with one of the episodes in season three. I read it and was like, oh, Monse's mom committed suicide. Okay. But anyway, I really liked the last few episodes of season two where we learned in the finale that Caesar and Oscar had a plan and they took down the prophets and everything. I thought that was really cool. So then that brings us to season three. As for the recent season, I feel like I liked it the least overall, but there were still some individual episodes that I enjoyed. Like I remember watching an episode afterwards and being like, oh, that was a good episode. But then I was like doing it several times. So it's kind of like individually, I like the episodes, but holistically in the whole like storyline that was being painted, I didn't love it. Um, Specific episodes that I enjoyed were um, the one at the pool when Ruby and Jamal give everyone uh, food poisoning. That was great. And then the episode when they end up in that music video and that little teenage rapper singer girl, I don't know, whatever her name was, she was hanging out with Jamal. All those scenes were absolutely hilarious. Um, But for the, like I said, for the overall storyline with little Ricky still being alive and like that third gang getting involved and the the woman who was like little Ricky's sister or lover, I don't remember. I thought it got a little confusing and I just was not into it. Um... Also, I realized I never covered the whole roller world money situation. So I absolutely love that aspect of the show because I thought it was such a unique and cool way to string all the seasons together. And it was that was the way that it painted like, because obviously the show is a dramedy, even though I thought it was a full comedy. But the drama aspect is the roller world world and the gang related stuff. And then the comedy is just like strung throughout it. I don't know. But I feel like the show almost had elements of Outer Banks in it sometimes because it was a treasure hunt. But this was almost done better because I thought the clues and how they got to all of it was way better and cooler. Like how Jamal figured it all out with the gnomes and the nursery rhymes and the digging of the football fields. I just thought overall it was really well put together. So before we talk about that last scene of the season three finale... Here are just my overview thoughts on all the characters one more time. Monse, annoying, uptight, don't like her. Caesar, I feel like he's not his own person. Like he's always just tagged on to everything going on and never really forms his own personality. If you kind of like get what I mean, I don't know. Like he's always just going with everyone else. Ruby, I like him at certain times, mainly when he's paired up with Jamal. But otherwise, when he gets so engrossed in something where he stresses out with it, like um, how he did that with if he likes Jasmine or if he not, if he doesn't like her, like I was just not into that. Jasmine, feel like I already gushed about her, the layers to her character. She's hilarious. Love her. But my hands down, my favorite character is Jamal. He's just a hoot. Like the way he spirals in his thought process, 
Also, anything with his parents is great. Like how he's trained them for everything and he gave them those backpacks and they were so prepared. Like he's just got this so specific personality. Like I definitely think Jamal carries this show from both the humorous perspective and the drama perspective since he's at the root of the roller world plot. And then honorable mention for a character who just doesn't get enough attention and that is Abuelita. She's a riot act, and especially, again, when she's with Jamal, I love the two of them together, especially because they have this, like, switched personality dynamic where half the time Abuelita acts like a teenager when, obviously, you know, she's a grandmother, while Jamal then freaks out like an adult, even though he is a teenager. Um, So I just love the two of them. And then let's talk about that finale. So Ruby and Jasmine are happy together, which is great and not much has changed for them, but he's not friends with Jamal anymore, who somehow got back into the football group. Like what? That was never his scene. Like, I don't understand how they got to that because that's wild. Then Monse is at her preppy boarding school becoming like a girl's girl, which I feel like that definitely makes sense, but I'm also like, how in the world did they get there? Because Monse was so not ever a girl's girl. Like, even with Jasmine, who grew up where she's from and, like, so well, um, you know, so similar. Not, I mean, they're not similar, but my point is eventually they got around. My point is they were so much more similar than any of these girls at the boarding school, and yet it took so long for Monse to become friends with Jasmine. So it's going to be crazy to see how that happened. Then Oscar, a.k.a. Spooky, who we haven't spoken about. So happy for him that he got out. Like, he's in a relationship, he's expecting a child, and he's surrounded by a community of people that just make him so happy. Like, he looked so happy. Um, It was really weird to see him with hair, I will say that. Uh, I was also glad to see that, like, we got more of his character in the last season, especially everything that happened with his dad. And he had one of the best lines. I don't remember exactly the line, but it was something about having to be a father to his brother when he's never even been a son. Like, that was beautiful. Um, And I know most people love Oscar. Like, he's one of everyone's favorite characters, and he definitely deserves it. And that also reminds me of one episode or moment or something from season one, I think, when Caesar skipped school and him and Oscar went to the beach. That was just a great episode because I think that's the first glimmer that we got of Oscar's individuality and not him as the Santos because we learned that he wanted to have a restaurant and, you know, he had these dreams outside of the gang, um, but he was, you know, being realistic out of his life. And I'm just glad that he got out and he's happy now. But it's also like, how how did he do that? Because they say like C- like Caesar's whole problem at the in the whole first season was like this was his destiny. He could never get out. So I'm like, but how did Oscar do that then? Is it because he already like paid his dues since he was older? Like I don't understand. And then the last thing about the finale, which is juxtaposed with Oscar, of course, is with Caesar. By the end, he basically replaced Oscar as head of the Santos. I don't know what to think about that. I mean, based on how the last episode was going, I felt like it was pretty obvious, but I honestly have no expectations for what's going to happen in the last season. Um, Overall, it will definitely be interesting to see how the last 10 episodes, I would assume, are going to be organized. Like, are they going to take place two years in the future and then just do flashbacks to fill in 
how they got to where they are or are they just going to continue on the plot line they're on now and maybe just and then like the last two episodes like we'll get to that scene in the finale and then they'll go past that I don't know um I couldn't find anything about the like what's going to happen in the season potentially but I do know that they wrapped filming at the beginning of June so we might get the last season before 2022 but I really don't know but obviously if you have been watching since the very beginning you have not you've been waiting a lot longer than I have because I only just finished watching it last week. Um, So I am glad, I will say, based on everything that happened between the season one finale, the season two finale, and the season three finale, I feel like this is the finale that I'm most fine with. Although, I don't know, season one finale, I would have been really pissed, like I mentioned, if I had to wait for that because that was so, so earth-shattering. The season two finale, the cliffhanger was that they got um kidnapped so it wasn't like I don't know the tone of the kidnapping wasn't so ominous so it wasn't that big of a deal and like I mentioned in part one I think I had a big hiatus between watching season two and season three um so obviously I wasn't that eager where and then the season three finale I mean it's more like it was a cliffhanger and we have questions, but it's not like, oh my God, I'm dying to know how did they get to that? Because you could also just part of you like ignore it. I don't know. Um, and just go based on the, oh, nothing's going to change, which of course, as soon as anyone says that, you know, everything is going to change, but it's, that's TV for you. So anyway, those are all my opinions about on my block. Um, eager for season four, but not too eager. Um, hopefully you guys are enjoying the show or enjoying the wait and you know maybe you too just watched it recently like I did and you're not waiting that long but otherwise thanks for listening um if you're not already following me please do so at not so critically acclaimed both on Instagram and TikTok also please rate review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts specifically leave a review because I always want to hear um feedback and speaking of feedback just a reminder that there is a not so critically acclaimed Um, suggestion form in the link in my bio in both Instagram and TikTok. And this is just a general suggestion form where you can suggest ideas for TikTok videos, Instagram reels, um, shows you want to hear about on the podcast, any general suggestion for the Not So Critically Acclaimed platform. But otherwise, I'm Laura. I'll be back next week with another show. So thanks for listening and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.